Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from City Harvest Church. To find out more about City Harvest, please visit chcus.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chcus. Praise the Lord. Are you happy still in the house of God this morning? How many of you enjoy the worship? You feel that there's a presence of God here? There's a glory that's being manifested. And we are in a series of talking about the kingdom of God. Everyone say kingdom of God. You know, in John 18, when Jesus was led before Pilate, and Pilate says, I heard you are a king. Are you a king? And Jesus says, you have heard right. For this reason, I was born. For this reason, I have come. See, Jesus has only one cause in his life, and his one cause is to be the king among his people. His one cause is to build this kingdom. Everyone say together with me, for this cause. And if it is the one single cause that Jesus came to be born and to live and to die for, then it must be the same cause you and I live and die for. Amen? Amen. And that is to build this kingdom and to manifest this kingdom. Many of us preach about the kingdom of God, but we don't fully comprehend and understand what this kingdom is all about. This kingdom is not you coming to church on a Sunday, wear a cross, put a bumper sticker in your car, and say, I am a Christian, so this is the kingdom. This kingdom is not seen with your naked eyes, but it impacts you when it's being manifested. So this morning, I am going to attempt, I say attempt, because you need to be opened. You need to be open to what I'm preaching and put away what you have learned before, what you have experienced before, and open yourself to allow the Spirit of God to manifest the reality, the revelation of the kingdom on the inside. Because we have not seen the kingdom yet. Many of you have not really understood what the kingdom is all about. You see, last week, Pastor Derek talked about the first part of the kingdom. And he mentioned this verse, Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. No longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens, everyone say, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. With the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grow into a holy temple. Everyone say holy temple. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So you see the purpose of us, how we can manifest this kingdom is when God made us living stones in the temple of God. Where, God, where we allow God to break us and mold us so that we can be fitted together. So that we can be fitted together. When we dwell in unity and in agreement, we will build a holy place where the Spirit of God will dwell among us. 
When the Spirit of God dwell among us, there will be a manifestation of the kingdom of God. That's why there are not many places where God can dwell. Because there's so much of mistrust and disunity. Where we come, we come to attend a service. We do not come to be part of a body. We do not come to be a temple. We do not come to be the bride of Christ. Do you understand me? So many people in today's world, in the context of America, we are still practicing religion. We are practicing religion. We come here to fulfill a religious ritual every Sunday. But we did not come to attempt to be a living stone to fit together with our neighbor on our left, with our neighbor on our right, learn to live life together and build a temple of agreement, a temple of holiness where the Spirit of God will dwell. Because when the Spirit of God dwells, you and I will see the kingdom of God. Amen. See, we are not building a hospital. My husband, like, you know, in some time ago said, the church is like a hospital. But we are not building a hospital. The church is not a hospital. The church has some function as a hospital. We bring you in and we heal you. What is the purpose of healing you? So that you can build healthy relationships. So that you can be fitted together. It's not so that you heal you and then you can lead a happy life. You want to be a citizen of the kingdom? You need to be healed. Because when you come to church, let me assure you, surely I promise you, you will be offended. And if you are not healed, you do not know the ways and the word of God. You will always not be able to fit together. There will not be unity. When there is no unity, there is no power. When there's no unity, the presence of God cannot dwell. So, but we are not building a hospital. A hospital is not a long-term stay. We are neither, you know, in our first few years of our church, everyone comes and says, oh, I just love the community. It was good for the one year or two, but after a while, if people come to church to look for God and only find you and I, oh, that will be a tragic. Can I say that? If people come to church to look for God and can only find you and I, that is a tragic. Because every Sunday, what we are trying to build here is to build a holy temple where God will dwell among us. When people walk into the door, they say, wow, I found God. I found God in City Harvest Church. We are not building a community center here. We're not building a social club where you come and then you try to find your, your life partner. Find a day, someone to date, find someone, you know, to go out with. We're not building a social club, but we're building a dwelling place of God. And this place is made with living stones that are willing for God to break us, mold us, so we can be fitted together so that the Spirit of God can manifest the presence of God in our midst. Romans 14 says, For the kingdom of God does not mean eating and drinking, but what? Help me preach this morning. Righteousness, 
peace and joy. For he who serves God, this is the important verse here. We don't read it all the time. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable. That means if you purpose in your life to to develop righteousness, peace, and joy, you are serving God. And when you serve God in this manner, God accepts you. And when God accepts you, let me tell you, you will have favor with men. But we are so hard, we're trying so hard to win the favor of men, and we forgot that we need to first win the favor of God. So the kingdom of God is not just meeting your natural needs. It's all about, one more time, righteousness. So last week, Pastor Derek talked about the first part, which is righteousness. Righteousness is knowing, I, I want to recap a little bit, is knowing, being in, and doing the will of God. There are two aspects of righteousness in the kingdom. Number one is positional righteousness. Positional righteousness means what? We put on Christ. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we put on the garment of righteousness. So now we have imputed righteousness. We can come boldly to the throne of God. Number two is the practical righteousness. The first righteousness is the right to sonship. The second righteousness is the right to authority and dominion. Practical righteousness means you have to walk out the ways of God. You want to be right with God. You want to practice what God is saying. You see, you cannot want power over something if that something has power over you. God wants to set you free so that you can have authority and dominion in all things. Amen? So, I want to say this. Righteousness is a prerequisite for supernatural peace. So, supernatural peace, what does that mean? Today, I want to talk about the second part of the kingdom of God, which is supernatural peace. Supernatural peace is not in the absence of troubles or worries. This peace I'm talking about is the state of remaining unshakable in the midst of turmoil. Everyone say together with me, say supernatural peace. It's the state of remaining unshakable in the midst of turmoil. This kind of peace does not come from men. It comes from God. Philippians 1 verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from who? From God. Supernatural peace from God. And Philippians 4 talk about this peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace that transcends all your situation, all your troubles. This peace that is found in Christ Jesus. And this peace was demonstrated by the Lord throughout His ministry here on earth. He was never anxious or worried, depressed or or tormented. Am I right? The only time that peace left Him was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where He pleaded with the Father to let this cup pass Him by. But we see that while he struggled in that place, finally that peace came when he yielded himself, we healed himself to the will of the Father. When that happened, that supernatural peace came upon him. So he was able to go through the Calvary. Amen. 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 Number one, there are three points to my sermon this morning. It's very simple. 
but I want you to stay with me. Number one, righteousness is the prerequisite of this supernatural peace. Righteousness is the prerequisite. Apart from God's imputed righteousness and man's desire to walk uprightly, this kind of peace is not attainable. So if you do not want to walk right, if you constantly fight with God about your position in Him, you will never have this kind of peace. John 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that what? In me. In Christ, you may have this peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if you are a believer and you are still operating in this world system, you will have tribulation. You are in this world and you are still operating this world system, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But the promise of the Lord is this. You can be in this world but not of this world system. You can get into the kingdom of God, still walking this earth, and you will have supernatural peace. Everyone say supernatural peace. Colossians 1, 21, 23 says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Everyone say holy. And blameless. Say blameless. And above reproach. Say above reproach. So you are holy, blameless, and above reproach. But look at verse 23. It says, If indeed... If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. So your supernatural peace is consolidated when you continue to be grounded in the Word of God and the way of God. Everyone say the Word of God and the way of God. You need to know the Word of God. You cannot be naive about the Word. You cannot be a novice about what the Word of God said. That's why we have Bible study classes coming up next week. Sign up for the Bible study classes. Get to know the Word line by line, precept by precept. What did the Lord die to give you? What did the Lord say that we must do? Because if you do not know the word, you do not know what God has done for you. If you do not know the ways of the kingdom, you will be in chaos. Peace is found when you are grounded in the word. In this world, you will have trouble. But God says, I have overcome the world. Romans 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In what? Everyone say believing. believing. That you may abound in hope by the power. What is the evidence that we truly believe? The evidence is there is hope, there is joy, and there is peace. What does it mean to believe? To believe is to simply take your position in the Word of God. Take the side of God. To be for what God is for. To be against what God is against. And all God's people say? Amen. Amen. I preached a little bit about this last year during Christmas. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then you have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our... 
Let us hold fast our... What is confession? Confession is this Greek word called homologio, which means to say the same thing. To agree, to admit, to acknowledge. To be of one voice. To be of one voice with your Lord and your King. Philippians 1.21 says, Do not be afraid. Paul was telling the Philippian church, Don't be afraid by your adversaries. Because this is a sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and this is from God. What is he talking about? Paul tells the Philippians, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when your world is shaken. Don't be afraid when demons try to hear fury darts along your way. Don't be afraid when you are being, uh, when you are being tormented or when, when he come against you. He mentioned that this is a sign. What is the sign? Your peace is your sign. Your immovable stand upon the word of God is a sign that you are positioned correctly in focused submission to the will of God. And all God's people say, the very fact that you are not afraid by your adversary is a sign that you have victory over him in that area. Amen. Amen? The reverse is true. The area that you do not experience God's supernatural peace is the area that he has authority over you. Your finances, your children, your relationship, your career, your future, whatever it is, when you don't have peace, that shows that he has authority over you rather than you have authority over him. See, the most devious scheme of Satan is to plant a second voice in your head. A second voice. When you have two voices in your head, it causes confusion. It causes you to doubt God It causes you to doubt yourself, your identity. It causes you to doubt your future, your hope. It causes you to doubt the hearts of the people that really care and love you. And hence what? We allow mistrust to sabotage our relationship and tragically sever even covenanted relationships such as our spouses, our children, our pastors and our leaders. When Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tested, he had to pass the test of authority. Everyone say authority. And he said very clearly in Matthew 4 verse 4, he said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, when the second voice came, he never let go of the first voice. He took his position in the scripture, he took the sight of God, and he spoke in one voice with the Spirit on the inside of him. And that's how he was able to overcome the test in the wilderness. See, Satan's arsenal consists of what? Such things as fear. How many of you have fear? Worry, doubt, and self-pity. Every of these things disturb us on the inside and rob us of our peace. Whenever you do not have peace, you have what? War. Whenever you do not have peace, you have war. So you may look all nice and beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, there's war going on in your head all the time. War going in your heart all the time. 
I want to I want to just you know take a little bit of detour and talk about this a little bit. And many people asked me, and uh, in, you know, about a couple of years ago, this young man came to me because I was preaching about believing God, believing God to prosper us, believing that God is a God who wants to prosper you. So he came to me after my preaching. He said, Pastor Susan, I really want God to prosper me. But, you know, every time I pray, I just felt that, you know, I, I still struggle inside of me that am I praying this because I really believe or because I want, you know, I, I want to just be successful. I want to just, you know, be ambitious. Is it my ambition? So I told this young man, I said, young man, you know, you know that in your heart, you struggle with your ambition. Your motivation is still not right. Am I right? So do you stop? Confirming what God is saying, agreeing with what God is saying, that He's a God who wants to prosper you. And say, now I'm not worthy. Do you want to cancel out what God is saying? Or should you pray, God, I really believe that you are the God who wants to prosper me. But my heart is not right. My motivation is still not right. So change my heart. Am I right? Rather than saying, God, I don't want. I don't want what you want to give me. That itself, Hebrews say, is wicked because you're cancelling everything God is saying to you. We must be of one voice to the Lord and one voice we must agree with Him. You see, conversely, whenever you have peace, you will have victory. When Satan heals his darts against you, the more peace you have during adversity, the more likely you're walking in Christ's victory. Your peace is the proof of your victory. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who choose to walk uprightly, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So number one, right standing with God. If you put on Christ, you can come boldly to the throne of God. But in the, at the same time, you must walk out righteousness. You must not lead a double life. If you lead a double life, you will have no peace. You will not be able to come boldly and inherit everything that is from the Lord. So righteousness is the prerequisite to receiving this supernatural peace. Number two, supernatural peace is found in the presence of God. See, supernatural peace is found in the presence of God. When you come to the presence of God, this kingdom of God, hear me now. This kingdom of God is built on one thing, very crucial. And that's why it's not strong, not as strong as we want it to be. It's built on one thing, and that is, it's built through revelation. Everyone say revelation. This kingdom of God is built on revelation. And revelation only comes when we seek the face of God. Yes? Not when we come and sit here. When I'm preaching, I'm just saying words. But some of you, you have your light bulb goes up. Ding! Maybe? Some? No? Not at all? You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying words. I'm, I'm saying it's preaching through my spirit, but some of you have revelation. Ding! 
Your spirit gets awakened. You understand? That is revelation. God is saying something to you. This kingdom of God is not built from man's word. So if you come to church on Sunday, and all you want to do is to hear Pastor Derek preach. I love my husband's preaching, by the way. My favorite, most favorite preacher. If your, your purpose every Sunday is to come and just hear this man preach, there's no revelation. There's knowledge. There's secondhand revelation at best. But if you come every Sunday, you say, Lord, I want to seek your face. I want to hear what you're saying to me through the man of God. You position yourself for revelation. You're building the kingdom of God on the inside of you. This kingdom of God is not built by anything but revelation. So if you do not seek the face of God, you will not have revelation. You will not understand what supernatural peace is all about. The success of the ministry of Jesus Christ is not because he was named the Son of God. And that's why, you know, I hardly like to attend women's conference. Because most women's conference, they like to tell you, I'm a princess. They give you a chain with a crown on it. I'm a princess. They give you a t-shirt and say, I'm a princess. How many times must people tell you you are a princess before you know that you are a princess? It is to revelation. Come on now. It is to you seeking the word, worshipping, lifting up your hands, and God look at you and say, you are my princess. How many times must God... Most people tell you, you are love, you are love, you are love, you are love. If you don't go on your bended knees and God whispers it, you are my beloved. His success was not based on the fact that he had the title, the son of God. It was because he walked in revelation. He walked in revelation of what the Father is doing all the time. John, 15, John 5 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the, Father, the Son also does in the same manner. So when men refuse to seek the face of God, we are not walking in revelation. We cannot see what the Father is doing. Hence, we judge him for what not, he is not doing. Do you know that? Because we can't see what the Father is doing, we judge Him for what He's not doing. So when we see a leader up there, a pastor, you know, and he fornicated or he took money from the money box and God did not judge him or, or some of you know, our friends in church and they are, they are not walking right yet, they are, they are still so blessed. We say, God, what are you not doing? Why are you not doing something? So, but we do not see what God is trying to do. So we get out of the domain of man and enter the domain of God. We use up the judgment seat and we say, now I need to take justice. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm preaching? We take the judgment seat. Of course, we all have sinned against God. We have all judged people before. 
It's one thing to make a mistake and repent. It's another thing to take the judgment seat and say, I'm going to act as God. I'm going to see justice done. And that's why so many of us are struggling in our body, battered in our spirit, tormented by demons, and robbed of our wealth. Because we have not learned to seek the face of God and walk with God. But God, everyone say, but God. But God wants to show us his face. God wants to show us that he knows what he's doing. And that we should rest in his presence. Moses knew the importance of seeking God's face. And in Exodus 33, it says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And what did God say? Read it together with me. One more time. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. How many of you want rest? God wants rest for you, dear fellow citizens of the kingdom. But we need to seek his presence. We can't seek the face of a man or a woman. We must seek his presence. And in Hebrew, this word presence means panim. Everyone say panim. And panim means face. Face. It's one thing to just come in a general atmosphere of God. It's another thing to seek His face. In our priestly blessing, In Numbers, we always say, let the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. In this International Standard Version, I like this version a lot. It says, can you read this together with me? Ready? One, two, three. May the Lord's face enlighten you and bestow favor on you. May the Lord turn to face you, lavishing peace on you. You see, when the Lord turned His face on you, Peace is immediately released to you. So are we here to seek after a man or a woman? Just seek a a sense of peace, a temporal sense of, of rest? Or are we here to seek the face of God? Just like the Shulamite woman in Songs of Solomon. She lost the beloved and she said, Have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? I found my beloved. (laughs) Like Mary Madeline, when Jesus died, she went to the tomb and she said, have you seen the Lord? And she couldn't recognize that the Lord was resurrected and standing there. She thought he was the gardener. Have you seen the Lord? Show me where you hid the body. Do you come with that eagerness and that passion to seek the face of God? Because when you come to seek the face of God, 
you will not come casually. You will not come anytime you like. You do not come only when it's preaching time. You come because you are seeking the face of God. You're preparing your heart, your soul, your mind to see Him, to see His face. Supernatural peace is found when God turns His face towards you and you can see Him. See Adam in the Garden of Eden. He ran away from the presence, but he was not running away from the presence. You know, there's no way to run away from the general presence of God. In Genesis 3 verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence, panim, which is the face of God. Because you know why? When God face you, man means nothing. When God face you, you cannot hide your iniquities, your sin. Everything is exposed. When God face you, you have, not, you have, you have no, nowhere to hide. Heaven demands a response from you. That is why men are still running away from the face of God. Satisfied with worshipping from afar. And not desiring to come into His very presence. But the very presence of God is reserved for the sons and the daughters of God. Amen. God is gracious and merciful to the unbelievers, to the foreigners. Even when they pray, God listens. But His face is reserved for you. Amen. Amen. He's wanting you to come close enough. So he can turn his face towards you. There is a difference between an atmosphere and a presence. There is a difference between an atmosphere of his presence and a presence of his glory. Atmosphere is the reality when man creates, when we yield ourselves to the spiritual realm. So when you come, you are expecting God. So when you come into a church like that where we are all expecting God to move, the atmosphere opens up. So when you come expecting holiness, there's holiness. When you come expecting God's joy, there's God's joy. Because the presence of God is here. Right? The presence of God. But all that is, is just a prelude. You know what's a prelude? The show before the real show. (laughs) See, our end goal is to come close enough to the king for the king to turn his face towards us. Am I getting to you today? In the presence, in the face of God, you will see the current move of God. You will understand what God is doing. And in the presence, the manifested glory comes through. The Bible calls it the Shekinah. Everyone say Shekinah. When I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of Queen Esther. Queen Esther fasted for three days and three nights because she needed to deliver Israel out of danger. 
So she was not summoned to court, but she came prepared to enter the presence of the king. So the Bible says she came into the court. I'm sure Queen Esther did not wear too shabby a clothes, right? I'm sure she doll up herself and put her hair right because she's worshipping the king. She's coming into the presence of the king. Amen? So she came appropriately. She stood there so that the king can, catch, uh, can, can see her. The Bible says in Esther 5, so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court and she found favor. Everyone say favor. Favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And Queen Esther went over and touched the top of the scepter. And hear what the king says. What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. Listen, this is what the Lord is waiting every Sunday for you. To come into His presence and cry out to Him that He can turn His face to you and say, What will you ask of me, faith? What will you ask of me, country? What will you ask of me, Raza? Just like King Solomon worshipped God and God appeared in the night. What will you ask of me, Solomon? Do you understand? What are you paying? What's the price that you are paying for not coming close enough? For seeking men and not the face of God. For seeking ministry and not the kingdom of God. Psalms 110 says, The Lord will extend His scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Everyone say, Rule in the midst of my enemies. We sang today, This is how I fight my battle. And all of you rose up and sang. Worship is the way we fight our battle. Praise is the way we fight our battle. Because we get out of the natural, into the spirit, we see the face of God, we understand what He's doing, and we partner with Him in what He's doing. And not trying to figure out in the dark. For 40 years, the children lived under the cloud. Remember? They were led by the cloud by day. What does this cloud represent? Nahum 1 verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great, mega in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of His feet. The cloud are the dust of His feet. Meaning that for 40 years, God walked with the people. They were under his feet. And what came out from God walking with the people? For 40 years, they were walking in divine health. No one was sick. No one had cancer. No one had diabetes. No one had arthritis. They were walking in divine... Can I hear a loud amen? For 40 years, they were short of nothing. They had divine providence. They had manna from heaven. They have supernatural provision for 40 years because God was walking. Where God walks, they walk with Him. They were walking under the cloud. For 40 years, to the people it was miracles, but to God it was natural. 
Because wherever God is, there is divine health. Amen? Can I hear amen? Wherever God is, there's divine providence. Wherever God is, there's divine health. Wherever God is, there is divine providence. So to the people, it was miracle. But to God, it was just natural. Do you see that for 40 years, God performed the miracles without the faith of the people? Did they have faith? No. But the miracles still happen. And we are still trying to struggle with our faith to believe and think that everything is about our faith. Our faith is to get into the presence of God. And when the presence comes, it does not require faith. Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you this morning? I'm passionate about this because I want you to walk in divine health. I want you to walk in divine providence. You cannot choreograph the presence, you know, worship team. There's no way to choreograph the presence. No amount of song you sing, no D song to bring down the presence. It's all got to matter with the heart and the spirit. The presence doesn't require work and it's effortless. Israel saw miracles but didn't work miracles. For 40 years, they were spectators to what God did. God worked miracle without the faith of the people. What God did was not from faith. What God did was from the glory of His presence. Everyone say glory. glory. Can you shout glory? glory? Can you lift up your voice and say glory? glory. Say God, show us your glory. glory. Say I want your glory. glory. Amen. Peter had a revelation too. In Matthew 14, when the Lord was walking on the water, and they were saying, ghost, ghost, it's a ghost. Everyone was scared. The wind was strong. The, the waves were boisterous. The road was, bo- was shaking, and they were all about to be capsized, holding on to the boat, the two of them. And then Peter had a moment of discernment. When he saw this figure on the water, he had a moment of revelation that this is someone special. This is someone that is not normal. And Peter said, and Jesus said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You know that it's not natural for Peter to ask, right? Because at that moment, you and I would do the same thing. Hang on for, the, for our lives. And not say, oh, can I walk on the water with you? <laughs> Do you understand? It is boisterous. You're almost going to die. The last thing you want to ask is, can I walk on water? <laughs> but he had a revelation. Yeah. Heaven opened up. At that moment, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. You see, it was so dark he couldn't see very well. But his eyes was fixated on that face. And he says, and the Lord says, come. So you know the story. Peter stepped into God's world of the naturally supernatural. And as long as Peter fixed his face on the Lord, he will be fine. See, the law of physics was suspended 
in that moment because the Lord manifested His presence. It got suspended. See, in the presence of God, you are unaware of time and your circumstance. If you are aware of time, you are not in the presence. Time to step into the Lord's world and make the supernatural natural. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. So don't be like the children of Israel who refuse to draw near and listen to God for themselves. Yes? Let's go to Exodus 33 verse 11. It says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. God wants us to draw near. Not just be walking under the cloud, but come into the cloud and look at Him face to face. Amen? Amen. 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 So, let's look at um, Philippians 4 verse 13. Let's skip over to Philippians 4 verse 13. And why is it important for us to come into the glory, come into the presence of God? In Philippians 4 verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So you understand that all these that comes into your life comes because of the glory of God. When God manifests His glory. So God is calling us to walk into that glory and that's where the battle lies. The battle lies in us coming into the glory. How do we enter His presence and see His glory? Number three. We enter the presence through worship. Everyone say worship. You see, end times worship will have three unique aspects. Exaltation of the majesty of God. Exaltation of the name of God. An exaltation of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Exaltation of the majesty of God. Exaltation of the name of God. And exaltation of the finished work of Christ on the cross. You will see that this kind of worship has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with the majesty, the power, and the glory. Many people do not know what worship is. And what worship is all about. What is the origin of worship? How do sound produce? What do sound produce? And how do we build an atmosphere? Why does the presence of God not fall in many places? The Spirit of God will never stay in a place where there is no atmosphere for life. He is drawn to an atmosphere conducive to life. Where there is something dead, he will not stay. Dead worship, he will not stay. Dead offering, the fire will not come. So it took our church five years to create an atmosphere. Even though we are a small church with limited resources, you see that we do things in order. And we try our best to be as excellent as we can. But our goal is not order. And we do not take pride in excellence. Our goal is the glory of God. 
Our passion is the presence of God. The presence of God will bring life. And in the glory of God, all the needs of the people will be met. So let us be open to seek His presence and rise up to be worshippers in the end times. You know, God created three archangels in the heavens. The Michael is the warrior. Gabriel is the messenger. Lucifer is the worshipper who will lead worship. See, out of the three, who has the best assignment? Lucifer. Because in order to worship God, you must come into His presence. So every day, Lucifer will come into the presence of God. You see, worship starts with the heart, but is demonstrated in our posture. Such as what? Opening up our hands means we are open to God. Can you, can you just practice? You're open to God. That's why in worship, we lift out our hands. Sometimes you see, I bow my head. It's to say that, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. I'm just a created being. And you see some people, they, they kneel down on the floor. They're saying, you are the Lord and my King, the one that I adore. And sometimes we prostrate on the ground to say that, God, we exalt you. We glorify you. Amen? Amen. So worship starts from the heart and is demonstrated in our posture. We are designed to worship Him. And when we worship, we are saying to God, we want more. Everyone say, I want more. Say, I want more. Say, there is more. See, when God created this archangel Lucifer, his name was called the light bearer. The shining one. The shining one. The morning star. He was created with pipes and stones on the inside of him. And when he worshipped God, all the things that was inside of him were light up. That's why he's called the morning star. That's why he's called the shining one. So he will release the sound of worship. Remember the rope of the priesthood? has 12 stones on the rope. So when they come into the presence to worship God, the stones will light up in the presence of God's glory. See, Lucifer's role, listen up very carefully. Is it okay I take a little bit more time to build on this? Lucifer's role was to be the priesthood in heaven and to offer up sacrifices of worship before the presence of God. He worshiped for a long time. But there was iniquity in his heart. There was perversion in his heart. In Ezekiel 28, it says, and it talks about Lucifer. He said, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the, and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherubs that covers, and I set you there. You were above the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. God sent him out and changed his name from Lucifer to Satan. Now the assignment in heaven is left vacant 
no more worship leader in heaven. And no, the, it's not open for any application. No, no worship leader in heaven. Only the angels. But the angels, the worship of the angels is not enough. God has had lost his worship leader, but God had a plan. The Holy Trinity came together, and in the book of Genesis 1, he says, Let us make. Come on, let us make. Man was supposed to take the role of Lucifer and be the worship leader in heaven. Do you see that? Our very assignment, our first assignment, our basic assignment is to be a worshiper. Is to be a worshiper. And Revelation 4 says, God is worthy to receive all worship. God is, God is worthy to receive all worship. All honor and all power be unto thy name. See, when God made Lucifer, he put pipes and stones inside of him. But with men, it was different. Men was not, were not made with pipes or stones. No, 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 no. Because God knows, no one knows how to worship God except God Himself. So that's why God created you with His likeness. That's why God created you in His image. So that you know how to worship God. Oh, let's worship God. Lift out your hands right now. Don't stand up, just lift out your hands. So I worship you. Sing the song, Stephen. I live to worship you. Oh, I live to worship you. Oh, I live to worship you. Oh, we just worship you. Oh, we long to worship you. Oh, to worship you, I live. Oh, we long to worship you. God is looking for is not in the instruments that man creates but it's from your voice everyone say my voice the sound of heaven is in your voice that is why the worship of angels is not enough because angels can only worship because of what they see the father do because they are not created with breath they are not created with the image of God, but you are. In Genesis, God's voice pierced through the heaven, and through His voice, He created the things that are unseen and manifested into reality. 
he left the voice print in you. He left this voice print in men so that with our voice we can pierce through heaven and capture the attention of the king so that he can turn his face towards us and the glory can manifest. Oh, I want to see your glory, Lord. See, it takes God to worship God. Would you stir up the God on the inside and worship him? Know that when you worship him, you worship him DNA to DNA. You worship him spirit to spirit. Worship is created in heaven. But it must be perfected on earth. Psalms 8 verse 2 says, Out of the mouth of babes, praise is perfected. And Matthew 21, Jesus said the same thing. God is not looking for perfection. God is waiting for the sound of heaven that will come from you. The sound of heaven that will infiltrate through the atmosphere into heaven. Worship affirms that God is here and acknowledges that God is here. Lucifer failed. Adam failed. Israel failed. So God raised up the church to be that worshiper in the end times. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Into His marvelous 